You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Little fellow, you must have given up the hope of living. Uh Uh-uh. On the contrary, I do not let the word death bother me. Same here, baby. Then what are you waiting for? Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to another Game of Death version of Triviality. We haven't done one of these in a while, so this is good to get back to it. Um, this one's going to be a little bit special, um, and I mean that seriously because Sam Carr is going to be joining us. You may remember him from his previous appearance on a Game of Death. Um, we figured we needed to have him back. If anybody did good math, unlike we did in our first time around with him, <laughs> that game ended tied. So yeah. we never re- actually resolved it. He yep. The tie, could have tie goes to the home team. So that's how he, that's how we worked it out. Well, we would have done a tiebreaker. He could have potentially been our first game of death uh, champion. I, we don't really have a word for him, but uh, yeah. so he would have been. He could have very well been the first. So we thought it was only right before we do any more of these back again in the series to have Sam back on mm-hmm. and uh, give him another fair shake at the pagoda. How's it going, Sam? Uh, I'm doing great. I uh, fully expect to do worse this time around so you're looking forward to that uh when i when i heard that jeff was going to be hosting i i knew that i was going to be learning a lot so <laughs> i'm going to take that that's going to be my positive perspective for this game here so no definitely excited and appreciate the uh, appreciate the opportunity for a rematch so and uh noticeably silent today is neil um i don't know exactly where he is right mm-hmm. now but he did keep saying something about reverse spelunking. I don't know what that means. Maybe some sort of sexual maneuver. But yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever he's doing, he's not here in the studio. He did say that uh, he would Skype in yeah. for his his rounds, though. He might pop in like Kramer, just kind of through the door. Then and we'll all cheer. And then he'll be on his way out. The door that's never locked. Yeah. So if you could, Sam, just briefly remind us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get the game started. Yeah, uh, Sam Carr from Watauga, Texas, out near Fort Worth. I, um, since I was last on, I actually changed jobs. So I'm in the same industry, but doing something a little bit different. Uh, so that's good. Uh, I work in freight forwarding logistics. I also played my first ever pub trivia at an actual pub, um, which nice. I've never, never done before. So uh, I came in fourth playing solo. So wow. that's pretty good. <laughs> 50-50. Me and Jeff tried to play as a duo the other day, and it did not go well. We we ha- we tried to make some friends at the bar, and um, Matt and I learned that we shouldn't try and make friends. We don't play well with others. 
Nice. Yeah, but I mean, that's pretty much it since the last time. I've been doing a lot of push-ups, been trying to mm-hmm. sleep on some uh, Trivial Pursuit cards, see if they soak through my head osmosis style. So we'll see how it goes. That's such a great idea. Maybe I'll keep one in my hat at all times. See, there you go. See what happens. A little, little lucky charm, maybe. I'll just know about the that's moops right. all the time. <laughs> well, thanks again, uh, as I said, Sam, for coming back. Uh, hopefully we can do it justice this time as far as the math is concerned. So uh, the rules guy uh, just didn't show up today. He, he dropped the ball. Um, mm. So I think we're just going to have to go over the rules ourselves this time. Yeah, I think I can cover that. So Game of Death is uh, four rounds, five questions each, each in specialized categories. The uh, Today's categories are going to be Matt's favorite sports, sports. Ken's question marks Potpourri. all around. Potpourri is a good way to describe <laughs> it. And uh, Neil will be joining us for film and television. Sam also, of course, as the challenger to the pagoda, has his own special category, which we will announce later. Mid-round scoring, it'll be 10 questions, five points apiece for triviality, 10 points apiece for our guests. And the final round, where Team Triviality can work together and uh, five questions are standard normal round, five questions each, uh, wagering up to 30. So what floor are we starting on? I I believe we're going to start on the sports floor. All right. Kick it to Great. Matt first. <laughs> <laughs> As right. you all know, that's my favorite. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta get it out of the way. So. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're ready, we will get started. Let's do it. Question one. Dwayne The Rock Johnson was a promising defensive tackle playing in college for the Miami Hurricanes until he was sidelined by an injury. His replacement was what future Buccaneer, Raider, seven-time Pro Bowler, and ultimately Hall of Famer. Okay, I'm locked in then. So he was injured, so he switched sports to Wrestling. one that he won't get injured in. <laughs> yeah. He well, he, he stopped playing football. He really couldn't yeah. get back into playing yeah. football at that point. So Good thing wrestling is safe. Yeah. <laughs> a nice non-contact right. sport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You said uh, the rock football, and I wrote Miami, and then you said Miami. So past that, I'm kind of lost. But uh, Raider... I wrote Miami with a cross out through a two as he was writing. Exactly. <laughs> right. I'm doing these in the Neil style where you start writing what you think is going to be the answer and then and then he blows right past it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, no, Raider Hall of Famer, and I have, I'm sure the time is wrong, but I just wrote um, Howie Long. Ah. All right, and uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Matt? So I actually definitely had this guy's jersey. I was a huge Bucks fan at the time. They had those really cool red jerseys with the the skull and crossbones all over them. I'm almost 100% sure that this is Warren Sapp. And points will be going to Team Triviality on this one. It was indeed Warren Sapp. Well done, Matt. Mm-hmm. I'm so shocked that you guys get points and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> was not expecting that at all. <laughs> uh, we know this isn't your round. but No, hey, I've actually been practicing more on the sports than anything. So uh, I did actually make an effort. So That's, that's great. Um, I will never that's try. more than we can say. <laughs> yeah. Ken and I will never try that. <laughs> Question two. On December 31st, 1988, in a game against the New Jersey Devils, this Pittsburgh Penguin became the only NHL player to score a goal in all five game situations. He scored at even strength, on the power play, shorthanded, a penalty shot, and an empty netter. Wow. He scored eight points total. Who is that player? Locked in. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to lock in with no answer. Uh, All right. No answer. (laughs) Sorry. Matt, what did you say? Uh, yeah, we were actually talking about this guy uh, earlier when we were having lunch. It's Super Mario Lemieux. 
Indeed, Mario Lemieux. We were talking about him. I don't. We were talking about Super Mario because oh. <laughs> you were talking about. See, <laughs> that's Nintendo a name Super. that I know too, because I I associate him with uh, being a lot of points guy. But I would not have even known that he was uh, played for that team. So <laughs> he he only played for that team, and now he's the owner, I believe. Yeah, and he played oh, with uh, Yaramir Yager, who is still in the league at like forty three years yes. old or four. Wow, it's he been a while. Ne- he will never retire. <laughs> He'll die on the ice. You'll have to drag him off. The <laughs> That's the way it should be, with mm. some honor, right? <laughs> him and Chris Chelios. <laughs> Question three. There are currently four members of Major League Baseball's 40-40 club. To be a member of the 40-40 club, you must hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases in one season. Name one of the members of the 40-40 club. Locked in. All right. Yeah, I'm locked in, too. So I'm... I. I should just lock in with A-Rod because I'm pretty sure that A-Rod is the right answer, but I went with Vlad Guerrero. All right, and what did you say for this one, Sam? I know A-Rod is one. I think the first guy to do it was Jose Canseco, so that's what I locked in with. All right, and there will be points given to this one to Sam. Mm -hmm. Jose Canseco did it in 88 for the A's, Barry Bonds in 96 for the Giants, A-Rod with the Mariners in 98, and the most recent one with the Nationals, Alfonso Soriano. Oh, that's right, Fonzie. That was right before, uh, or right after he was on the Cubs, I believe. God, Matt, don't you know anything about sports? <laughs> <laughs> I just love Vlad Guerrero. I just go with Expos when in doubt. So. <laughs> Apparently I was on a little bit of a baseball kick. Question four. The designated hitter has been around in the American League since 1973. The Silver Slugger Awards were instituted in 1980. Thus, the first designated hitters couldn't win the award. Who was the first designated hitter to win the Silver Slugger for the designated hitter position for the Yankees in 1980. Okay, now we're talking. Oh, that's a lot of stuff there. Okay, so I am now I'm locked in with a 1980s Yankee player. 80s Yankees, I don't know. Uh, all the players I'm thinking of are 90s, but um, I know Derek Jeter plays for the Yankees, and I know he played in the 90s, um, and I think he was probably you know born in 1980. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very impressive feat by him. Who's the guy with the beard? He uh, he's like Santa he's a pitcher, Claus. but I think he hits. Yeah, let's go, uh, Clemens. How about Clemens? Clemens. Okay. All right. And yeah. what did you say for this one, Matt? Uh, the only thing I could think of is '80s and slugging, and uh, I just went with uh, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. All right. Sam said Clemens. Matt said Mr. October. It is Mr. October, Reggie <laughs> Jackson himself. You gotta be kidding me, dude. You got me last game with a Reggie Jackson question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> I originally wrote uh, Harmon Killebrew. I should have I, I should have gone back and listened to that episode before I wrote this one. <laughs> I will guess Reggie Jackson in every game from this point forward. He's going to be my lucky Jackson for every baseball question. <laughs> no. No. I like it. It's a, it's a strong play. Question five. In the last 13 seasons, 10 different teams have made it to the NBA Finals. I wrote this question after I realized I had three baseball questions, so okay. I, I took one out. Ten teams have made it to the NBA Finals. The Heat and the Cavs have combined for five appearances each. The Warriors clock in at four. Of those, only two made the trip just once. Name either of those two teams. I'm locked in. I'm just thinking who made it far most recently. I've a uh, small story. I've never had cable ever in my life until this year. And I got it for one month just to watch NBA basketball <laughs> so, and then canceled it. Uh, let's just go Indiana. The Pacers. All right. And uh, what did you say for this one, Matt? Yeah. So I'm locked in with the Thunder, which I believe was 2012. And I think Orlando Magic was 2009, but I locked in with Thunder. 
I believe you have both of them, Matt. It is the OKC Thunder and the Orlando Magic. Yeah, the OKC was against uh, the Heat, and I think that was 2012, 2011. They played the Mavericks and and lost. Yep. Celtics yeah. have made multiple appearances. Mavericks have Mavericks made multiple appearances. And Spurs have made. I can see where you were trouble with the math because the Mavericks were in 2005 or six something where they so it's right on that border of being yeah two so. hey here's a fun fact at the end of the first round i'm in the exact same place i was at the end of the first round on the last game <laughs> here's another fun fact every single one of those questions had a right answer supplied wow by someone sports <laughs> uh, we've moved on to the potpourri round ken's round so ken will be uh trying to defend level two against sam we'll start with question one TV comedies have changed dramatically since The Office debuted in 2005. In fact, 2005 marked the last year where a comedy with a laugh track won an Emmy for Best Comedy. (laughs) Which show was that? 2005. Yes. Interesting to put it that way because they they definitely did get phased out, seemingly except on CBS, who is kind of like locked into the old times. Well, CBS still does the classic three-camera sitcoms. Yeah. So... I'm going to lock in. The way I came up about this question was 99% Invisible has an episode about developing the laugh track and mm-hmm. the, uh, from like an audio engineer perspective. So, and, and I didn't realize this either until I started paying attention. I was like, oh, weird. You know what else came out in 2005? The Office did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's generally yeah, I mean, considered yeah, to be... It just yeah. turned. You know, yeah, it's right. generally considered camera. to be the start of like... Yeah. So, I mean, Arrested Development was before that. Yeah. But they really took off after The Office. Yeah. The, the single camera... Those mockumentaries, all those yeah. other kinds Modern of... Modern Family and... Yeah. Elton Rick and all of that, yeah. 2005, yeah. that was an awful long time ago. It's only 13 years. In actuality. Years. That's a very long time ago. I'm in. Okay. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I know I'm off on the year, but I was trying to think of shows that maybe ended a few years ago that had several seasons that potentially may have started in 2005 that had that classic sitcom kind of like feels like a stage with a laugh track. I went with How I Met Your Mother. And, uh, and I think I'm too early for it. I actually went with the same exact thing. Yeah, uh, I think How I Met Your Mother started in 09, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, two, it might 2008? be earlier, seven or seven. Six, okay. Yeah. I don't think it was on the air yet. Um, so this was actually quite the comedy juggernaut for a while. It was Ray Romano's Everybody oh, Loves Raymond. Right. Oh, of course. Oh, that was a great show. Sure. Yeah. That was in its decline or towards the end of its run at that time. I think if you're... Deb. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect ah. <laughs> if you're gonna like make like say what is a sitcom that would be what i would show them i think that right that is the most sitcom sitcom to ever sitcom and then he was in the office so full circle yeah, oh, yeah. as a branch manager <laughs> applying to be yeah. branch manager <laughs> pulls out a sandwich and these are the nice people i've ever met <laughs> yeah <laughs> question two there are three major linguistic branches in europe which cover the majority of spoken languages Two of them are Germanic and Romance languages. What would be the last major branch? I don't even know what that question means. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm glad I'm not on this level. Linguistic, <laughs> Get me on. So the linguistic branches, so there's like several different Germanic languages, several different Romance languages, and then mm-hmm. this other language group covers a few other different languages. Okay, I'm going to lock in then. I'm going to go with Celtic. All right. Ken's going with Celtic. What do you think on this one, Sam? Yeah, I always associate Celtic with Ireland. I was thinking the same region he was thinking, but instead of Norse, I said Nordic. 
The other major European language Gaelic. branch is Slavic. 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 So many of the uh, northern uh, regions you were thinking of, um, those are actually Germanic in, oh, okay. in origin relation. Uh, but like Finland, Belarus, the Baltic areas, those mm-hmm. would be, uh, and in Russia, uh, Russian would be all Slavic. So you guys yes. are kind of thinking the right area, just couldn't get to the word. So Latin languages would be under Romance or what? Romance, right. Right. Okay. The French, Spanish, Italian, those are all... Uh, Latin adjacent. Got it. Question three. Which famous historical woman who died around the age of 21, 2021 in England had a given name which translates to spoiled or rotten child? The historical records may not know if this is an accurate depiction, but it's almost certain that retellings of her story in film are way less than accurate. Mm. So she's famous enough to have multiple films about her. I am in. Died in England around age 20. So I'm wondering if the first name is have of another origin, right? Like if it's a Spanish name or a French name or something. I don't know, man. I'm just going to say Marie Antoinette, even though she was older and I'm pretty sure in France. <laughs> <laughs> and when I think of young women who I think died in England, uh, I think of Joan of Arc. But uh, in this case, I think of Pocahontas. And Ken will be getting credit on that one. Pocahontas translates, uh, I can't remember which Native American language that is, but it's uh, to spoiled or rotten child. There you go. See, had I thought of Pocahontas, I would, I would not have thought of Pocahontas 2, where she returns to England, which was, you know, not as good as the first one. <laughs> what is Pocahontas 2? Is that like yeah. a direct-to-DVD deal or whatever? Oh, I'm sure it was. Directed sure VHS, thank you. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it was definitely VHS. Pick it up at your local car wash. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Now, we all know that um, Ken's round tends to be a bit of potpourri, but um, Ken really gets kind of gypped because uh, he also loves film quite a bit. So I had yeah. to throw a couple film questions in here for him, um, even though that's generally Neil's focus. So. Sure. Question, Forget Neil. He's not here. Question four. <laughs> Robert Duvall received his first acting credit for his silent portrayal of a famous literary character in which 1962 film? Silent role of a literary character. Yes. Bobby Duvall. If you look at my page of notes, it looks like I don't even know how to read, so that's fine. (laughs) Now I'm stuck on, is the character unable to talk, or is it just like a passing cameo type? Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. Did Helen Keller have a brother? Harold Keller. Yes, Harry Keller. <laughs> <laughs> he was not very well known in the in the titular 1962 film Helen Keller. All right, I'm in. Rides again. Let's see. What are we on question four? So I think this is where I um, give no answer because I think that's what I did on the last question four. So we are going to tap. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just guessed that maybe he played Frankenstein's monster in some sort of iteration of Frankenstein, but I don't oh, think that's, that's accurate. That, uh, That's that, a really good guess, though. That is a very good guess. Um, this character comes in and plays a very short role at the end of the film, um, but I'm going to guess the performance that you remember from it was probably of a much more famous actor at the time. This was 1962's To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. He plays Boo Radley. Oh, man. Oh, he does? Yes, he does. Interesting. I almost said that. Oh, you almost got points then. Good job. <laughs> As Brandy would say, almost doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Question five. Which actress only drank water throughout the production of The African Queen as a protest against John Huston and Humphrey Bogart's rampant alcoholism? However, 
Most of the cast and crew became violently ill, <laughs> and only Bogart and Houston were unaffected because instead of drinking the slightly dangerous water, they drank copious amounts of whiskey. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in on this one. What a justification for alcoholism. Oh, you're locked in? Yeah. Is that Catherine Hepburn? I locked in with Catherine Hepburn. So. And Ken? It is Catherine Hepburn. And she's, you know, she's a... You know, was a very independent woman, so I could I could definitely see her doing the protest. <laughs> and you both answered correctly with Catherine Hepburn. So, following the first two rounds, just do a brief recap. Team Triviality is holding the lead at sixty, and Sam has a score of twenty. Mm-hmm. But we got the swing round coming up, and Sam's round. There's a lot of points still on a the board. A lot of points still on the board. A lot of room to catch up. And um, Apparently, I'm not good at writing hard sports questions, but I'm okay at writing hard potpourri questions. So oh, they were hard. He only got one right. I'm just really, really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> is your uh, is your shoulder blade uh, sore from all that patting yourself on the back? Oh yeah, and <laughs> now it's sore from carrying the team. Uh, is that a phone I hear ring in the background? What is that? Hello, hello, Neil. Hello, I'm uh, coming to you guys from the the future, kind of. I don't think so. <laughs> not really. Not really. If anything, you're coming to us from the past, the recent past. Um, so uh, where where the hell are you, Neil? Uh, so I uh, I got called into work. Um, mm, I'm guy. working on a. I guess I can't really talk about it. Oh. Uh, but maybe this episode is it a Marvel movie? Ooh. It's not a Marvel movie. Um, they kicked me off the set of uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I I said I wanted more '80s, more '80s stuff, and they said no. Um, <laughs> So now I'm at work, uh, working on a commercial. It's uh, really excited about it. It's a national commercial. Uh, I think it'll be out this week when this episode airs. But uh, just in case, if you guys happen to see a commercial for a coffee company that is the competitor to the company Matt works for, uh, that has an alliteration in its name uh, and it has an old woman on a motorcycle, then that's the one I did. So okay. look, be on the lookout. Charlie's Coffees, got it. Roosevelt's yeah. Roasters. So, there you go. <laughs> so it turns out, Neil, that you're uh, joining us right in time for the swing round. How coincidental. It is coincidental. It's not like I got a text saying, call in now. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So today's uh, swing round is actually going to be uh, kind of a zeitgeisty mm. uh, question round. So I'm going to give you the most popular song and the highest grossing movie, and I want you to give me the year. Okay. Kind of a kind of a what was going on in each year. So there'll be 10 of these. Now these are worth 10 points for Sam, Sam five and for us. 5 points for Team Triviality. All right. All right, here are our movie and song pairings. Question 1, Jurassic Park and I Will Always Love You. Number 2, Back to the Future and Careless Whisper. Number 3, The Dark Knight and Low. Number 4, Cleopatra and Surf in USA. Number five, Ghostbusters and When Doves Cry. Number six, The Bible and Ballad of the Green Berets. Number seven, How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Breathe. Number eight, Jaws and Love Will Keep Us Together. Number nine, Toy Story and Gangsta's Paradise. Number ten, The Exorcist and Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree. The same year as The Exorcist. Yep. 93 for Jurassic Park. That's correct. So Back to the Future, I know it takes place in, in 1985, but I feel like it came out a year or two after, or was it 85 exactly? Yeah, it's 85, yeah. Dark Knight is 08, right? That's correct. And yep. that's low for the, yeah. 
Jaws is 75. 75 for Jaws. Yep. Exorcist is two years before Jaws. 73. Toy Story is 95? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because Gangster's Paradise came out with, um, what's that movie? Dangerous Minds, yeah. Uh, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds, yeah. Don't, don't give us clues. Michelle Pfeiffer. 95. That's, that sounds 95. I had the I had that single on cassette, which tells you the era. And I and my, oh really? And my first CD was in '96 when I got the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> so. Oh wow! Cleopatra, Surfing USA. 16. Yeah, that's got to be um, that's got to be like 62, 63. I want to say Cleopatra is 62, like between 61 and 63. And Surfing right, Surfing USA is off um, one of those early Beach Boy albums, right? Yeah. So so that makes sense. All right, Ghostbusters and One Dove's Cry. That's that's got to be eighty four. So yeah, it's got to be like eighty three, eighty four. Let's go eighty three. Yeah. One. Uh, one Dove's Cry came out before Purple Rain, which was How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Breathe. Grinch, I think, is I want to say two thousand. That's just I, I'm pretty sure that came out when like the Millennium hit, but I could be wrong. Could be two thousand one, but the Bible came out in like thirty two A D. Uh, I didn't read it <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and I will start with the first one. What was your year, Sam? I had, well, I wrote 91 and crossed it out and wrote 92 and crossed it out. <laughs> I think it's, I, 92 was the final answer I liked. All right, Sam said 92. What did you say, Team Triviality? We went with 93. And the correct answer there, 1993. All right. All right, number two, Back to the Future and Careless Whisper. What did you say for that one, Sam? 1986 and team triviality went one before 1985 all right triviality will be getting the points on that one it was 1985 i'm going to request andy saunders rules please (laughs) (laughs) within one yeah all right question three the pairing was dark knight and the song low i believe by little john all right what'd you say team triviality um yeah that's correct um it's uh 08 and what'd you say on that one sam 2008. They always come out on my birthday, so July 20th. Every year there was a Batman movie. I can't Batman movie, so that one was 2008. Indeed, 2008. Both teams getting points on that. All right, your next pairing went a little bit further back. It was Cleopatra and Surfing USA. What'd you say, Sam? Uh, shout out to Batman again. I said 1966. <laughs> uh-huh. Ah, Adam West. <laughs> And what did Team Triviality come up with? He was definitely surfing a little bit. We went uh, a little earlier than that and went 62. Ah, both teams actually missing on this. Mm. The year was 1963. Ah. That was close. We were close. Yeah. Good job, Neil. You were close. Close close all the counts in horseshoes, Neil. I know. I said, well, I I feel good about it at least for myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Pairing for number five was Ghostbusters. That year it was when Doves Cry. What'd you say, Sam? Uh, drives me nuts that I don't know when Ghostbusters came out. I did um, 88. All right. And what did you say, Team Triviality? I uh, went earlier than that in 83. All right. Team Triviality, again, one year too early. Mm. The year was 1984. Question six, paired the Bible with the Ballad of the Green Berets. I will turn it to Team Triviality for their answer. That's a classic and a classic that I don't know anything about. We went with 69. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sam... What'd you think? Uh, I said 1960, trying to go as far back as I could on your list there. All right. So that uh, that was very prevalent in the year 1966. Oh, there's the 66. You'd find, uh, you'd find you'd hear maybe this song while going to the theater in number seven, How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Breathe. What was your answer on that one, Sam? Was that Faith Hill's Breathe? Which Breathe was that? 
Uh, I believe it was Faith Hill's Breathe. Uh, year 2000. And Team Triviality? We went in the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> Great shout out to the old Conan gag. It was indeed <laughs> in the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta wear like the lighted collar and everything. <laughs> All right, on to number eight. Uh, I think Neil was pretty certain about this one. Uh, the pairing of Jaws and Love Will Keep Us Together. What did you say on this one, Sam? Uh, and I knew that Neil was gonna get it because it's Spielberg. Um, I always confuse the years for that one in ET, but I think this one's in the seventies, and I said seventy-seven. Very close. Neil, what did you think that one was? Neil's eating a chicken sandwich. He can't uh, answer right apparently. now. So we we said uh, 75. I keep forgetting Neil's here because he's not in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Team Triviality is in fact correct. It is 1975. Number nine, Toy Story and Gangster's Paradise. I remember both of these fondly as a child, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Sam, what did you say about this one? It's an elementary school throwback combo there. Uh, 1995. And Team Triviality. Also went 1995. Well, of course you did, because you are correct. It is 1995. <laughs> and the final one. This one is a particularly funny pairing. Uh, the Exorcist and tie a yellow ribbon around that old oak tree. What'd you say, Sam? 72. Team Triviality? 73. And the answer is 73. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's one away. <laughs> Classic uh, Max von Sydow role. <laughs> so if I if I've done my math correctly, I believe uh, that Samuel add thirty. Is that correct? Yep. Team Triviality adds thirty-five. Thirty-five. Hey, I'm more than half though, which I think is better than the last time. So I actually thought they would get it less right in that for some reason. I don't know why. You underestimated Neil's ability forgot, to know every I kind of, movie. I kind of sort of forgot that Neil would be in on this. <laughs> Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. 
and you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so coming out of the swing round, uh, Team Triviality adds 35, Sam adds 30, scores are 50 for Sam and 95 for Team Triviality. And we'll be moving on to Neil's level of the pagoda. So Neil has found some time in his schedule to join us, which is very nice. And uh, so we'll be moving on to him. We'll start with question one. Which winter Olympic sport is a major plot point for the James Bond movie for your eyes only? What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anybody knows this, but every time we go to trivia, not every time, but for a lot, Neil will write down every single James Bond film. Just hoping it'll come in handy one day. The thing is, though, is I don't, uh, I don't like rewatch the movies. So I just, I like at least knowing that I can name them. I do that with Major League Baseball teams because I'm confident I'm going to forget one every time. So, I'm trying to think of what would be a good action scene. They usually have downhill skiing, which I don't think it is. That's on Her, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and then another one with Roger Moore. Um, just trying to think of what would be the fastest winter sport that they could do, a, like a chase scene with or something. So, I'm leaning towards uh, bobsledding, maybe or Getting some um, help there, Neil. Luge. Uh, no, no. Mark asked if I was talking about Timothy Dalton. Um, <laughs> That's Mark P. Smith of the Movieality Podcast. Yes. Uh, Mark says hi as he eats his turkey burger. Um, all right. So I'm going to go between bobsled and luge. And I feel like bobsled would be more cinematic. So I'm going to go with, uh, on a complete guess here, I'm going to go on bobsled. Mm, I think you're thinking of cool running. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what uh, you locked in relatively quickly here, Sam. What did you think on this one? Yeah, my first thought was also skiing. But then um, I thought that was too generic because i remember him in the one that neil mentioned where he's going down the hill shooting people and then i feel like there were some pierce brosnan ones where he was skiing as well um so i went with luge actually Ooh. so you both went uh downhill uh if you had answered skiing that would only be half correct cross country because cross country skiing was is half of the biathlon Mm -hmm. oh wow oh so they do a full they do a full biathlon in the movie (laughs) takes three hours (laughs) That is the one where he's got like the white jumpsuit on in the snow. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's the one where he's got the white jumpsuit with like the red racing stripe on the side. <laughs> Question two. Who is the only person to win an Oscar for best director for the only movie they ever directed? They shared the honor with Robert Weiss for their work on 1961's West Side Story. And you're saying that movie was West Side Story yes. or they just have. Okay. Yeah. They co-directed with Robert Weiss West Side Story. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to say Neil E. Fisher. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, final answer. Neil would, Neil would be in his 70s then. He's looking pretty good <laughs> exactly. for his age. <laughs> and, he works uh, out, I assume, right? Cycles or something. So Neil E. Fisher is the uh, is the submission for Sam. And what did you say on this one, Neil? I, I could be wrong. I just I know the poster really well. And uh, Spielberg is going to be remaking West Side Story, and he's casting right now for it. So I kept seeing the poster like, oh, he's remaking West Side Story. Here's the original poster. And if I'm correct, I think it's Jerome Robbins. All right. So the co-director for West Side Story um, had won other Academy Awards, but mostly for choreography. And that would be Jerome Robbins. Wow. Wow. Good pull. That's a name I have not heard before. It's because he only won one thing. (laughs) I wouldn't have gotten that question unless you gave the West Side Story clue. Otherwise, I would have been like... I said, yeah, I said West Side Story on purpose. I was like, this is way too hard otherwise. (laughs) 
Question three. John Patrick Looney was a Rock Island, Illinois gangster and the inspiration for a 2002 character, John Rooney, in the film Road to Perdition. Who portrayed the character John Rooney? I'm going to lock in. All right. So Sam's locked in. Um, So it's either got to be Daniel Craig's character, um, although it could be could be Paul Newman, too. No, I don't think it was. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with uh, Daniel Craig. All right, so locking in with Daniel Craig. What did you have on this one, Sam? Am I thinking of the right movie? You said Road to Perdition, right? <laughs> was that also a graphic novel? Yeah, it was. Was Tom Hanks in that movie? He was. Yep. Okay, Tom Hanks is what I locked in with because that's the <laughs> only person I could picture on the cover <laughs> of the movie. So. All right, it's, well. It's uh, Paul Newman, though, I think. It is right? Paul Newman. Yeah. It's Ken, oh. <laughs> it's Are you sure double. it's Looney with an L or is it an R? So in the movie, it's Rooney. In real life, it's Looney. Correct. Oh, that's where I'm getting mistaken. Okay, that makes sense. We're good? Yeah. (laughs) I agree. At least he didn't get points either. (laughs) (laughs) Question four. I did a little bit of a tri-bond for Neil. I'm going to give you three actors, and I would like to know what movie they were all in together. O.J. Simpson, Fred Astaire, and Paul Newman. Wait, I'll I'll wait till Sam locks in. He did. I'm locked in. Oh, um, so first, the first thing you'd want to go for would be like uh, Naked Gun, but uh, he's also in Fred Astaire. Who's the other guy? O.J. Simpson, Paul Newman. Fred Astaire, and Paul Newman. Oh, Paul Newman. Oh, easy. No, no, no. I, I got it now. I, I didn't hear Paul Newman. <laughs> so we're both in. Yeah. Well, all right, Sam. What did you have on this one? Uh, well, Neil said the first thing you want to go with is Naked Gun, so that's what I went with. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only O.J. Simpson movie I can think of. And uh, Neil, apparently, uh, once he remembered Paul Newman was in this, uh, seemed to have gotten it. So what did you say, Neil? Yeah, along with uh, Poseidon Adventure, it's the other uh, favorite uh, disaster movie of mine. It's The Towering Inferno. Well, uh, I I didn't realize this was uh, one that you were so familiar with, Neil, but you are correct. It is The Towering Inferno. Mm. Wow. Yeah, O.J. is uh, a security guard or a a fireman. I can't remember, but um, yeah, he's got a small role in it. All right, and question five. This is the only one that's not a film question, but it is pop culture, so I think I think Neil should have a chance at it. We'll see. Question five. Phil Collins might be one of the most interesting musical collaborators in the business, recording the chorus uh, with Bone Thugs and Harmony's mm-hmm. song, Home. He did that on purpose. He was very excited about the project. Not to be outdone, Sting did a live performance of which Puff Daddy song at a memorial concert for Biggie. The song so heavily samples from Sting that he actually owns 100% of the publishing rights. Okay, I know this. I just got to think of the title. <clears throat> yeah, me, me too. I know the song. I can't think of the title. <laughs> Singing in my head right I now. I know you are. Yeah. And now uh, I'm mixing it up with the uh, Islands in the Stream one that mm-hmm. Buffy <laughs> Yeah, Oh, yeah, right. Uh, I think with a little faith, I'll, I'll figure it out. Oh, I see what you But did, you got to have faith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Limp Bizkit. A little faith, Evans. I'll be missing my <laughs> okay I, i'm gonna lock in with what i think it is mm-hmm. and if it's not then we'll see but uh, no money more problems right yeah, yeah. that's right every day we pray for you those are great lyrics neil <laughs> I, I i'm right there with sam like i know it's uh it basically it's a it's a cover of every breath you take but i want to say it's just called i'll be missing you for biggie I'm going to go with that. I'll be missing you. Okay, Sam, and what did you say? 
the exact same thing. I'll be missing you. Indeed. Um, so he used it without permission, and uh, Sting acquired the 100% publishing mm. rights. So uh, even though he did it in a joint performance, which you should watch it because it's very awkward. They never look at each other. It's I'll be missing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not not I'll be watching you? Not I'll be watching you, no. no. Sting, Sting is always watching you. <laughs> yeah. Even right now, that that feels La- accurate. Lady A Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, tacking tacking another thirty on to the team triviality score, Neil brings it up to one twenty five, and Sam is at sixty, I believe. But we'll have Price Waterhouse Coopers do independent auditing on that. <laughs> <laughs> Calling one of the big four to get oh, those hanging chads. You have to watch out for. <laughs> But now is the time we've all been waiting for because Sam's about to make a little comeback here, perhaps. Uh, I I hope so, uh, because Sam is now uh, getting his round, and uh, Sam wanted uh, well, he gave me a couple options, and one that I thought um, would be fun for everybody. Um, although now I wish I w- wrote one that would just punish Team Triviality. Um, <laughs> so we're doing uh, we're doing emo and indie bands. So I'm pretty excited about this one myself. Uh, who would you like to call out for this one, Sam? Uh, well, that's one of the things that drew me to your guys' podcast was all the references you made to all the music that I grew up listening to. <laughs> uh, so I think you would all probably do okay, but I actually uh, big fan of the head-to-head, so I'm going to go with Ken on this one. All right. All right. All right. This will be fun. Should be good. Uh, and then, Neil, you're dropping out? Yeah, just hold it, hold down the fort, and then if you want to call me. Yeah, America's not going to run on its own. We'll hold down the Dakota. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, now that Neil's gone, don't you hate that guy? <laughs> He's still on the call. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> still here. <laughs> still here, guys. All right. So as, uh, as previously mentioned, we're going to be doing uh, indie and emo bands, which I'm very excited about. Um, and uh, Sam has very bravely called out Ken. I think Ken will do okay on this, but we'll see. So question number one. I think one. Matt's the juggernaut here. I, I agree. I would agree with that. Question number one. You can go to hell for heaven's sake, but ultimately what this band wants is only about 2.9 miles away, assuming you're five foot seven. I can hear the lyric in my head being sung, and I can't remember who sings it. Me either. And the reference is weird too. Do you, do you get what he's getting at? 2.9 miles away if you're five foot seven. Do you know what that means? No, but I'm assuming you do. I'm trying to figure it out right now. That's the part yeah, that I'm I, I think I know on, what the, I think I know what that means. Mm. Short staff from Tokyo. This was one oh, that I no. like I wrote and this is this is much like your question earlier where I wrote it and I was like, "Oh, this is dumb. I love it." <laughs> I don't know, man. If we're going emo and indie, it sounds like it would be an AFI lyric, so I'm going to go AFI. Yeah, I'm going to go uh whiny as well and go with uh, under oath. <laughs> All right. So, go to hell for heaven's sake is a direct reference to the band. The reference to the band's name, the reason that your height matters is because the taller you are, the farther away the horizon is. This is Bring Me the Horizon. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Because they want it. I got it. it. (laughs) That, yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. I loved writing. Very, very good. Very good. That's pretty good. Can't drown your demons. They know how to swim. (laughs) There's another one that we can't listen to anymore, Matt, because yeah. he peed on a girl. <laughs> Him and R. Kelly. That's, that's oh, in the God. no pile. Oh, Fair boy. enough. Sorry, that one was that when I came up with the idea for that, I was like, I love this. Sorry. That's really good. Sorry project. to all the listeners who had no idea what that is. It makes sense after you say it, but it's wow. 
Because I was like, no, I, was I hope they figure out like there. the math matters. Like the taller you are, the farther away yeah. it is. But no, uh, no Pirates of the Caribbean reference for us there. No Pirates of the Caribbean. All right, what's next? Question two. With songs such as Pompeii and Things We Lost in the Fire, it's no surprise that Bastille's debut album was met with high praise. What is the name of Bastille's album? I think they did it better than Taylor. Locked in. They did it better than Taylor? Yeah. So it's got to be Red or maybe 1989. I'm going to go with Red. All right. And what do you think about this one, Sam? Cause baby, now we got bad blood. I oh, like yeah, bad blood. that song. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad blood. Mm. I forgot they had a song called Bad Blood too, didn't they? That's that's also one of the songs on that yeah. album. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> you'll, you'll notice it was one of the songs I left off the list. <laughs> Question three: This Wisconsin indie folk band gained a following with their debut album "For Emma" forever ago. Mm. Their second album, which was self-titled, controversially won Best New Artist for the 2012 Grammy Awards in addition to Best Alternative Album. Which band is this? This album rocks, and I'm in. Yeah. Me too. All right, Sam. And what is the answer on this? Uh, I think the band name was a shout-out to Northern Exposure, and uh, however you want to pronounce it, I think mm. it's Bon Iver. <laughs> and Ken, what'd you say on this one? Bon Iver. Uh, not Bon not, Iver? Not Bon Iver, no. Not Bon Iver. Bon Iver. <laughs> Well done, gentlemen. What's what's your favorite song on there? There's a lot. I really like, uh, and I can't remember the name of it right now. You know what that one is? Yeah, that's all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Creature Fear. Yeah. Creature Fear is what it's called. My favorite Bon Iver song is Monster by Kanye West, where he sings the hook. and that's. <laughs> oh. Also, Woods off that album is pretty much straight Justin Vernon all the way through. So, Question four. Anthony Green... Colin Frangietto, Brendan Ekstrom, Nick Beard, and Steve mm-hmm. Clifford are members of this alternative rock band from Philadelphia. I got yeah. it. I mean, yeah, kind of Ooh, figured. Ooh, you too, Sam. I had I had more in there, but okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> no, finish the question. Go ahead. They said- founded the band in 2004, releasing six albums since, all in violent waves. All mm. good. All good, too. Nice. Uh, that would be one of my personal favorites, Circa Survive. Yeah. After Anthony left... Sayos and Circa mm-hmm. Survive. Circa Survive. Yeah. Good band. I love these questions, Jeff. Thank <laughs> you. I'm very happy with them. <laughs> this, is, this is my favorite round of this show. <laughs> this is very for a very niche audience. So I, I wrote I wrote specifically for Sam. <laughs> and here comes the horse the band question. <laughs> no, there will be no horse the band questions today. We gotta get in touch with we gotta reach out to horse the band. I wonder if they would actually do anything for us. That'd be great. Let's reach out to our spin. You guys are in Chicago. You've got so much Midwest emo up there. Just call Mike Kinsella, see what he's doing, and have him. He's <laughs> running his uh, Twitter. I wouldn't mind if we got uh, Alkaline Trio out here either. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Most of them are pretty busy these days. I know. Too famous with the uh, Blake 182 now. So I, I don't know what Dan's doing. He was doing an acoustic. <laughs> yeah. But he last. Dan Andrino in the emergency room, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds right. It was somebody weird like Dustin Kensrue or something, though, that he was touring with. Mm-hmm. I was confused. So. And now there are nine <laughs> listeners left to the show, but welcome because we love all of you very much. <laughs> Question five. Natasha Khan received Mercury Prize nominations for her albums Fur and Gold, Two Sons, and The Bride. What is Natasha Khan's stage name? Ooh. What were the album names one more time? Fur and Gold, Two Sons, and The Bride. This one is probably a little less famous than the other ones, but... How do you spell Khan? K-A-H-N. 
Fur and gold is what's hitting me. That feels like that's one that I should know. I don't think I'm right, but I'll I'll, uh, go ahead and get in here. I've never heard of this person. Stage names that are female. I think of like St. Vincent, but I know her name is Annie something. Um, Like Lady Gaga, which is, you know, she's Italian. Everyone knows that. So it's not. (laughs) uh, I really don't know. Um, But I'm thinking it's probably going to be one of those. It's not Florence and the Machine. It's going to drive me nuts. Let's go with um, who's the lady who did the one uh, gold frap. How about that? Let's go with that. Okay. And what were your thoughts on this one, Ken? Yeah, I put St. Vincent, but then he, when he said it, her name is Annie. I was like, oh, yeah, of course it is. Annie Clark. But uh, uh, yeah, St. Vincent. So right. uh, unfortunately, neither of you are going to get points on this. Uh, anybody remember the, the group Bat for Lashes? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the answer. <laughs> it's bad for lashes. I do remember bad for lashes. I actually thought that was a full band, though. I did. I guess I never saw them live, so I didn't realize that was just one person. Well, she's the yeah. That's her stage name. So yeah, they take it from her. But yeah, there are other people involved in the project, but it's mostly gotcha. her. So that brings us to one forty-five to ninety. Ooh, it's in in range. And this is definitely anybody's game because I wrote the final round. All right. And who the hell knows what's going to happen there? <laughs> All right, let's get right into it, because I have to leave 20 minutes ago. Yeah. All right, so your categories, gentlemen, are going to be Olympic Lies. Mm. Okay. All in the Jeans. Keep Off the Grass. Manufacturing. <laughs> and Up in the Air. Okay. We are locked in with our waiters. Sounds good. You're all set for the final questions? Yes, sir. All right. Oh, I'm no sir. (laughs) I appreciate the unnecessary deference, but... (laughs) So, category is Olympic Lies. We've come to expect that the summer and winter games now occur every two years, alternating between the games. But that's not always been the case, as it used to occur in the same year. However, if you're like me, technically, one of the Summer Olympics didn't happen at all. Which Summer Olympics was technically held in seasonal winter? All in the genes. In developing fruit flies, it's possible that they won't develop a heart. What is the name for the gene on which this occurs? The gene shares its name with both a famous movie character and a 1974 pop rock song. Keep off the grass. Turf grass, or your lawn, takes up about 2% of the acreage of the entire United States. What U.S. state is approximately the same size as all U.S. lawns? Manufacturing. Which auto manufacturer got their start by merging three separate aircraft engine manufacturers in 1916? Their origin is noted in their name and paid homage to by their logo. Last one, up in the air. The longest domestic flight in the world is from which world capital to the island of New Caledonia in the southern Indian Ocean, a distance of over 10,000 miles? That's the longest commercial flight from a world capital to an island in the West Indies. It's the longest domestic flight. It flies out of which world capital all the way to the island of New Caledonia, which is owned by the same country. Oh, okay. Which is located in the southern Indian Ocean. It's a distance of over 10,000 miles. And you're looking for the world capital? Yep. Okay. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? 
Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh, this is rough. Yeah, I agree. I wrote the game. I think no one expects anything less. Regretting my wagers now. So now that the uh, answers are in, uh, it should be noted that Matt has also left the studio. (laughs) (laughs) This game of death is... uh, resulting in uh, just a head-to-head between me and you, Sam. So. I was going to say, even if uh, it doesn't really matter who ends up on top, um, Sam already took down two of the three members of Triviality before we even finished the final. So. Right. <laughs> took down is uh, not the correct way to phrase that. So. Defenestrated? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like like Prague. That's a, thank you. That made me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> With the wagers I made, I am... Uh, justifiably in a position i'd rather not be in but uh we'll see what shakes <laughs> well, out we, we were t- we were too so <laughs> all right so the first question is in olympic lies so again i was looking for which summer olympics was technically held in seasonal winter uh team triviality and sam both wagering 10 on this what did you say sam i had no idea olympics are rough for me <clears throat> i just said 1920 not even knowing if that was an Olympic year. so uh, Should be. I think it was. Yeah, should be. Your response makes me think it's not the correct answer, though. <laughs> <laughs> we said the uh, 2000 Sydney Olympics. I think you're on to something, Ken, with the Sydney uh, Olympics. Um, although I feel exceptionally dickish. When you said it, I had to look it up and make sure. 2001? 2000 Sydney Olympics were held in September... So they weren't, fall. it was in the fall is when they finished. And uh, so the games in 2016 in Rio were held locally in seasonal winter. Fair enough. Uh, minus 10 for both teams. All right. Question two, all in the genes. In developing fruit flies, it's possible they won't develop a heart. What is the name for this gene? Sharing its name with both a famous movie character, which I believe it's named for, and personally, favorite of mine, 1974 pop rock song. Wagers to Sam betting high on this one were 20. So what'd you say on this one, Sam? Uh, I don't know. I was just trying to think of heartless movie characters that may have had songs named after them. And a buddy of mine was in a rock band called the Max Caddies one time. So I said Max Katie. All right. And uh, Team Triviality betting 10. So Ken, being the lone representative, what did you say? When I think of heartless movie characters, um, literally not figuratively, I go with the Tin Man. So I'm going to say Tin Man, Gene. 
Um, if you know me <clears throat> a little bit, you might know I have quite an affinity for the folk rock band America, and they had a song called Tin Man. Of course oh, they nice. did. <laughs> That's uh, way good. I answered that one last, and I was not going to get there. So <clears throat> this is this is one you should definitely make up a ground on because I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who knows about how big the United States is. So keep off the grass. Uh, the wagers were ten points apiece. Uh, so we'll start with you, Sam. What uh, what state is about two percent? the size of the United States. Man, that was rough too. I was thinking of a small one, but one that wasn't too small. Uh, and I ended up going with Vermont. Yeah, that's uh, the same strategy I use when picking an arm wrestling opponent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went with Massachusetts though. All right. Both teams going to be losing points. Both teams went way too small. Oh, really? So the median, the median size state in the U.S., 2% of the United States, is actually Iowa. Oh man, and I had Iowa on my list. Seems it seems hard to believe, but yeah, it makes sense. Medium-sized state, a lot of corn, and occasionally Neil in a Hawkeye uniform. Yep. Oh, that's right. Also, winning talent shows for Frank Sinatra songs. So only only in his dorm. Okay, we're not going to give him more credit <laughs> than his due. Just <laughs> not campus-wide. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question four was in manufacturing. Uh, which auto manufacturer got their start by merging three separate aircraft engine manufacturers in 1916? Uh, what did you say on this one, Sam? You wagered 10. Yeah, 1916 was the part of the question that I didn't write down, which now makes me think my answer is wrong. But uh, <laughs> I had originally written like Subaru, thinking it was long enough to be the names of three different things, and I think they have stars, stars in their thing. But then I went with Mercedes, thinking that triangle might be an airplane. All right. And- Ooh, that's not a bad answer either. Um, we went with uh, Buick due to the what we think are three diamonds in the logo. I, I understand the uh, the appeal to the logos. Buick actually is the oldest car company in the United States. They were formed in, I believe, 1902, 1903. Hmm. Um, Mercedes is much closer to the right guess, although they've been making cars since the uh, early 1900s. In fact, uh, 1886 was their first prototype. Um, this company is named the Bavarian Motor Works because they manufactured engines before they made cars, and their logo's a spinning propeller blade, BMW. Got it. Makes sense. And on to the final question. It's all up in the air. The longest domestic flight in the world is from which world capital to the island of New Caledonia in the southern Indian Ocean, a distance of over 10,000 miles. All right, uh, Sam, with the high wager here, 15. What did you What did you have as an answer? I should really know who New Caledonia belongs to. Um I answered Sydney. And Team Triviality wagering 10. Yeah, we figured uh, England has a vast empire, so we went with uh, London. You are, you're not wrong that England has, the, uh, has quite the vast empire, um, but believe it or not, um, the country with the vastest empire still is France. So mm-hmm. the longest domestic flight in the world flies from Paris, France, to the island of New Caledonia. Kind of like what I was saying to Matt when we were discussing it. I said, <laughs> what about a country that uh, has, like, you know, territories abroad, like France? Maybe Paris, France. <laughs> sure, Maybe. you want to go with London? Sure. <laughs> that is exactly how it happened. <laughs> and uh, it is Paris, France. Right on. All right, so... In in final, in total, um, Sam fought his way back to the Pagoda. Sam fought his way up the Pagoda. But ultimately, uh, it was the turn of team triviality in today's game, 115 to 25. And all of that was the final round wagers. So team triviality definitely getting by on the skin of their teeth on that one. Why continue? Just let me pass. You have forgotten that I, too, am not afraid of death. 
You want to talk about a defenestration? That's what just happened out of the top of this. <laughs> <laughs> but honorably fought, and we should also mention, since you tied the first game, it was the longest, longest bout in Triviality history. That's true. Right. It took two matches. <laughs> uh, well, if you want a third, let me know. I'm always down. <laughs> and also, you know, most of, most of the Triviality team did not have the, uh, the energy to see it through. <laughs> <laughs> right uh i guess i did do some damage no i greatly appreciate it that was a lot of fun and like i said michael at the beginning my expectation was to learn more than i actually knew so i definitely did that i'm kind of i'm kind of surprised at how well my my teammates did um i thought it was going to be a little bit a little bit more even keel throughout that game it was tough because some of those um, were, uh, were good questions thanks again for coming on sam you're always uh you're always a blast to have on one of our favorite guests for sure Oh yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to do a, an emo, lay it on me, man. I'll I'll take you all down. So let's do it. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. So I enjoyed that round. I would be I would be more than happy to write a full lay it on me for that. Not I, uh, not too happy though, because you got to still be a sad boy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's funny. I just changed jobs. The company I was working at was Titan Services. The new company, uh, it's a German company named for Eckhart Boatman, and it's actually Emo Trans. So it's pretty hilarious. Oh my god, it's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're all in our guy liner and our girl jeans, you know. I um I earmarked <laughs> probably twenty or thirty web pages um for food for thought for. So we'll definitely have to have you back for an emo or indie lay it on me. That would be incredible, yeah. Greatly appreciate the opportunity to come back. You guys have a great show, and uh, just looking forward to all the new episodes. And I, I think you get the satisfaction of of having that uncertainty, where you probably would have beaten us, but we'll never know. <laughs> the world may never know, yeah. You can, you can have that little asterisk on your Wikipedia page for potential first game of death winner. Don't they give those guys who take steroids, too, right? <laughs> Well, we'll never know. The world may never know. But uh, thanks again, Sam. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, on behalf of basically Ken and myself. Yeah, and the other two are laying on the on the ground next to the pagoda. <laughs> uh, we'll also thank uh, Matt and Neil who joined us in today's game. But uh, that was Triviality. It's Reggie. Reggie Jackson. Cool. Nice going out there. Thanks, man. But, you know, I got to tell you, it's because of you that I'm here. That's nice to know. I brought this for you. I saw some kid try to leave the ballpark with it. You got to hang on to that. I got the two home run balls I hit in the World Series. Some wretched little got the third one. That sucks, dude. I got to get my trophy. Uh, maybe we can have a hot dog sometime. All right, sounds good. Hey, Coop, I don't have your ball. Good luck next year. Oh, thanks. <laughs>